This week, we're celebrating the successful launch of a full season of baseball by sharing my chat with two-time Gold Glove winner and Silver Slug Award winner Matt Kemp. We get into Kemp's childhood and growing up in Oklahoma with humble roots. He was raised by his mother who worked two jobs and went to school to support their family. Strong, strong, strong woman is the strongest woman I know. Plus, he discusses landing a life-changing contract with the Los Angeles Dodgers. And you look back on, on all the hard work and I finally got to the point where I, I wanted to be. And experiences with cold streaks at the plate. What did it feel like when you were being booed? I probably would have booed myself the way I was playing too. And later on, Kemp tells me how many pairs of shoes he owns. It's in the hundreds. We sat down back in 2012 for this chat at his then home in the Hollywood Hills, which had panoramic views of Los Angeles. Now to Matt Kemp. I was talking to your mom and grandma and some mm -hmm. people close to you. you. You always wanted to be a professional athlete, it seems like, at least of some kind from the point of junior high on. Uh, how often did you used to practice your autograph? back in the day when you were growing up? Uh, I, think, I think every kid that dreamed about being famous, you know, wanted to, they always practiced their autographs, either if you were in school or anywhere, anything, anytime you had a, a piece of paper or a pen, pencil, whatever, they would, you know, you would jot down things and practice your autograph. So I was, I was one of those kids that dreamed about being famous and, you know, I had to get my autograph right so I could, I could uh, you know, so it could look good on a, a on somebody's uh, mantle or something. Your mom said, yeah, I mean, she'd see your notebooks, and sometimes you just have pages filled with the autograph. You put a number by it too. Uh, yeah, my number back in when I was in, in uh, when I was a kid, like what, elementary school was thirty five Frank Thomas. So I always put thirty five by it. You were drafted out of high school in the sixth round, but tell about the one scout who literally wanted to take you first overall in the first round. A good friend of the family now, his name is Daryl Brown. He used to play in the big leagues. Uh, he was a scout for the Marlins, and I guess the Marlins didn't want to take me in, the, in, the, in that, that high of a pick. So, I, well, I and what was, it, what was it that he saw? And, and I mean, Junior Spivey was saying this. I mean, literally, he wanted to draft you first overall in the first round. Yeah. I mean, what was it that he saw that nobody uh, you know what you know, else saw because you dropped to. <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's just uh, me being an athlete, you know, coming out of basketball doing, I would come right out of basketball straight into to baseball season doing pretty good. So we definitely didn't get to get drafted in the first round, but that would have been awesome though. The Marlins regret that decision <laughs> now. Um, so that first year of professional baseball for you, you said you really didn't care that much about baseball at that point. You just wanted to go back home and play basketball it, it pretty was, much. It was tough for me because, you know, I did love playing basketball. I wanted to go to school to play basketball, but I saw opportunity to, to go, you know, make a little bit of money and, uh, you know, kind of take care of some things and go play baseball. You know, it, it, it was definitely tough leaving my family and, and, and going to play a sport every single day that I, I wasn't used to playing every day. And um, Lonely? Yeah, definitely lonely. Um, you know, I, I was always used to just having my family around me. I'm pretty big on family, so you know, it, it was just it was it was tough. And you know, we we're playing in, in 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 rookie ball, so we're playing at 12 o'clock. It's 110 degrees outside every day. It's hot. Where were you? Rivero Beach. So you know, it, it was boring out there. There was really not much to do, and uh, you know, I struggled a little bit, but uh, you know, I kind of overcame it. Junior Spivey, uh, you know, who 
also from Oklahoma, former big league player who you're close to recalls uh, the when you guys were taking batting practice at some high school, how you were just launching these balls, <laughs> not only over the outfield wall, but oh. literally onto the freeway oh, in, <laughs> in Arizona. Um, he, he said this, though, and so did your agent, Dave Stewart, that, I mean, when you played pro baseball, it was very clear when you first got there, the talent was obvious, it, it was immediate, but you almost really didn't know how to play at that point. How much truth is there to that? There's definitely a lot of truth. I mean, I knew, I just had to let my, I was always counting on me being athletic to go out there and just for that to over to, to overtake whatever it is I was doing. But it, I mean, it, uh, it, it definitely, uh, I definitely needed to be a student of the game more. I didn't know, basically what to do in certain situations and uh you know it shows sometimes especially early in my career and in early when I got to the big league so as definitely I, ne I definitely needed to study more and and learn more about baseball so I could be a better better baseball player how obvious was it to you at that point it was pretty obvious you know you have to let those 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 baseball instincts take over and uh I mean I had some of those instincts but not all of them were there so they had to you had to slowly but surely get the hang of it and you know now I think I'm pretty much uh, got the hang of it. <laughs> I was playing against uh, Chris Bosch and Carmelo Anthony back in the day. That was unbelievable man we used to have so much fun doing that. Uh, How old were you then? I was when I played against Chris Bosch we were I was we were playing in St. Louis a tournament in St. Louis I think I was a junior and then Carmelo no yeah all this was my our junior my junior year 2002 uh, played against Chris Bosch in, in St. Louis, and then we turned around and played against Carmelo in Delaware, I think. It was a big big Nike tournament, and uh, that was that was amazing. Was and to see those guys now, uh, to see what they're doing, it's like, and the position I'm in and their position there, and I'm like, dang, this is crazy. <laughs> and not only Chris Bosch and Carmelo Anthony. But well, Carmelo's also... actually a big ba a baseball fan, so we, we, oh, we really? talk, and uh, we talked about, you know, how it was playing in high school against each other and then what we're, what we're doing now is kind of kind of awesome and you grew up with blake griffin as well yeah. what was he like back then well actually blake i i was i was uh i, I knew uh his brother more than uh than i knew him me and his brother actually played uh aau basketball together and uh blake was the the kid on the other side of the court you know shooting around and dribbling and, and kind of having fun just you know shooting with himself and now to see where he's 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 came from and where he's at now is is unbelievable. Growing up in Oklahoma, nobody cared about baseball. Tell about the conversation you had with your father that really caused you to shift directions and focus on baseball. We had fights about that. He, he wanted me to play baseball and I was like, no, I want to go play basketball. It's something I want to do. And, uh, you know, we would go back and forth and, you know, that that would that would go on and then how long did that go on for oh for a long 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 time I didn't really get it until I was a senior in high school so um, when I became a senior and I started seeing all the scouts around the you know around the ballpark and telling me that I could get drafted and you can do this and that I was like oh, maybe I should play baseball my dad was right so I listened to him focused on on, on baseball the whole my whole senior year and uh, kind of worked out for me. What was the reasoning your father gave you for why you should? I think he just saw more a, more of an opportunity for me to to, to better my life in, in in baseball and saw how good I was. He knew that I was better at baseball than I was at basketball, and uh, you know, he was right. I understand uh, you like to uh, shoot your friends with uh, BB guns back oh in the day. <laughs> Where'd you get this information from? <laughs> wow, that's my grandma. Been, all been day. brought up by a couple of people actually. Oh my goodness. 
That was an accident. <laughs> you know, we're in the backyard. It was me and my cousin. We were in the backyard. I had a BB gun, and I was just chasing him. You know, I played, played a lot as a kid. I played around, chasing him around with a BB gun, and it accidentally went off, and I shot him in the leg. Sorry. I, you know, I, I, I can't say sorry. I, I've said sorry a million, million times, so, you know. Your, your mom had one version of the story. Your grandmother had another well, version. Well, we, so we, 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 it was a funny you. story because we, uh, we tried to figure out a way to, to hide it. Like where I couldn't get in trouble, like come up with something, and we were not supposed to be shooting it at each other. We were supposed to be shooting cans, and uh, so you, you like made the decision to shoot it at each other. No, I, I like I said, I, I swear, I, like it accidentally <laughs> went off, and it was a good shot. It, I, if I aimed it at him and tried right. to shoot him with it, I probably wouldn't have hit him. Right. It was just a, a freak accident that happened. I told my grandparents that uh, it ricocheted off of, of something and came back and went in his leg, and they were kind of looking at us crazy and we thought they believed us but you know as we got older we knew that they didn't believe us your grandma's telling me like your grandpa or papa i guess as yeah. you guys called him yeah. like started crying over oh, he because, was really yeah he, he was he, yeah he was because he, he he thought he, i guess he we were supposed to be he was supposed to be watching us and you know we were you know kids and then you guys were gonna like dig it out of his I, yeah i was gonna i was gonna, going well because the, the thing about it you could see the bb like in his knee and i was gonna take a knife and literally cut it out and he was like no we can't do that it's gonna get infected right so we had to take him to the hospital and that's a crazy story though yeah i owe him one growing up you know back when you were much younger your mom worked two jobs mm -hmm. uh she also went to school on top of that how would you describe just what it means to you, the effort that she put into raising strong, you. Strong, strong, strong woman. It's the strongest woman I know. Uh, you know, we went through a lot when I was when I was younger. As far as you know, you know, getting all the bills paid and keeping food on the table and taking me to baseball and basketball practice and taking me to school and and just she 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 definitely held it down throughout my my childhood years. And I think that's where I get my my work work ethic from. And uh, you know, she definitely inspires me to to be want to be better. Your father was apparently seldom around when mm -hmm. you were growing up. Your mom says you were really hurt by that at yeah. the time. I mean, how well do you recall how you took that? Well, back I recall then? times. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. You want your dad around, but I mean, my dad was—he—it's not like he wasn't—he was absent. He was there, but you know, I wish he could have been there more. Um, you know, it happens. But you know, now we're we're closer, and uh, you know, we we work through that. What um, impact do you think that had on you then? Uh, I think I grew up to, grew up to be pretty good. My mom kind of took the role in you know, you know, setting the example and telling me what I needed to do and and, and what I, what what needed to be done when I when I was a kid. But uh, you know, you know, things happen. You know, people change, and uh, you know, my dad's there now, so. That's all that matters. Is, is there something that you learned from, you know, how your mom raised you that if you're a parent someday? Well, I'm I'm going to be there for my kids all the time. I'm always be around, try to go to as many baseball, basketball, whatever it is they want to do. I'm just going to be there to support them. So, you know, they're going to definitely grow up with a dad. <laughs> Tell about the journal that you keep. Well, I always I always write my goals down and things that I want to accomplish every year. And uh, all of them almost came true. So really, what yeah. what else was on? Well, there? you know, you have your gold gloves, your silver sluggers, and well, I mean, what it is you want to be as a teammate, as a person. Um, there's all kinds of random thoughts going there. I try to accomplish those every year as many as I can. And you know, I, I left a couple out. You know, MVP was one of them, but uh, fell a little bit short. But you know, it is what it is. How long have you had the journal for? I've had this journal 
probably since 2005, six, maybe, six, seven, 2007. And is this just professional goals or is this like- It's more of like what I wanna, what I wanna accomplish in life, like as a, a baseball player. And then as I, what I wanna be like as a person. Is it a kind of running list that you continually add stuff to in terms of what you want yeah, to accomplish definitely. You get in older, the game? Or you, you get, when you get older, things tend to change. So, you know, it gets different and different every year. I think it's worth taking you back to the 2010 season mm -hmm. because, I mean, it shows just how far you've come yeah. as a player because that season obviously Tough. troubling yeah. for you, not only professionally, personally yeah. um, as well. But one column uh, read about you, quote, dreaded going to work to play <laughs> the game he grew up loving. How much truth? I mean, it was just a tough, tough, tough year all the way around. Uh, you know, I, I don't think I, I, I stopped having fun. And, and that's probably the, the biggest thing that you probably shouldn't do when you're playing baseball, stop having fun. Uh, we, we, we were all frustrated. Um, you know, we weren't playing good. We weren't making the playoffs. We were, you know, getting, you know, whooped, whooped day in and day out. And, you know, it was definitely frustrating. So it, it, it kind of didn't get fun for me. And, you know, that's when it kind of just all went the way it went. To what extent do you feel like people within the Dodgers organization had given up on you at that point? You know, I don't think they had given up on me. I just thought they were frustrated like I was frustrated and, uh, you know, you know, when we're not winning and things aren't going the way we want them to go, then, you know, people are going to get frustrated. So it's just one big team frustrated. But there was some, I mean, just biting criticism directed your way that year. I mean, some people said some really negative things. You're then a bench coach. He, he said his work habits were terrible. It looked like he stopped trying. I know he was a good person, but the effort wasn't there. Hey, that's his opinion. But that still gets to you to... I mean... You say the work ethic wasn't there. I tried hard all the time. I never gave up. I never wasn't out there not trying. So for somebody to say that I just given up and wasn't trying is not true. Did did it hurt then? I mean, some of the things that I mean because I mean when you say when you like for me, I feel like a coach should never go to a, the media and say those types of comments. Like if you want to say those things, you say those to me personally. You do it behind closed doors. You don't publicly go out and say he's not trying he's not doing this he's not doing that that's just not to me that's not that's not how how it works and it wasn't just the coach I mean it was the yeah. general manager it's you know it, and that's something that me and me and Ned had to you know talk about as men and uh you know that's something that we got over and right. you know I always I can always forgive and forget and uh that's what we did and, and you asked for that meeting I mean yeah. how do you like you know, take me into that room when I mean you're you know feeling yeah, like these mad. people are yeah. just beating up on you for you know. I mean, uh, for me, I just feel like you know I work hard, and you know when things don't go right, of course I'm gonna be frustrated, and and uh, you know when somebody tries to even make it even worse with saying certain comments or things like that, it's gonna make me even more mad. So, you know, it is it is what it is. It happened. It's something that I learned and, and made me a stronger person. And uh, you know, you forget about those things. What did it feel like? when you were being booed by the uh, home crowd. That, 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 that probably hurt the most out of anything. And of course, I probably would have booed myself the way I was playing too. You know, the fans, they, they expected me to be, you know, the, the, one of the best players out there. I wasn't, you know, performing the way I should have been performing and uh, maybe I deserve to get booed. Yeah. It, it, gave, it, it, it opened my eyes. <laughs> it opened your eyes? It opened my eyes a little bit more. Maybe I just needed to get better. You, I, mean, you, you, I mean, you said in an article that, that you're, I mean, made you cry. 
You know, like just for me, like I said, I've never, I've never experienced failure. And that year, I felt like I failed, and it was kind of, kind of took me off guard and didn't know how to really react. You know, at at times there would be, I'd have a bad game, and I'd be so frustrated, and like, what's going on? What's wrong with me? Like, I'm used to doing good, and it it just it's something I I, I couldn't quite figure out. But you know, it happens. It's life. What do you think you learned from that period? It ha- definitely helped me with my my mental side of, of playing baseball it made me stronger because your mom says had you not gone through that she does not only doesn't think you'd be the person you are today but mm-hmm. you wouldn't have had as much success as definitely you've had i now. think that's definitely true that's why I mean, but why I, I just feel like 2010 helped me it just all around all the experience that i, that I experienced in 2010 it just really opened my eyes and and uh, I, I learned a lot from it. And I probably wouldn't be in this position today if I didn't go through those things. I promise you that. <laughs> I mean, to go from that season, you know, not not knowing if you'd even be a Dodger potentially uh-huh. after that season, to a year later signing an eight-year, hundred and sixty yeah. million dollar contract it with it the Los Angeles. That is unbelievable. <laughs> to somebody who could not, most of us who could not fathom mm-hmm. ever attaining that kind of wealth. Like signing a contract like that's, that. That's, it's definitely a blessing. You know, I was in New York going to the Gold Glove Awards to, to receive my Gold Glove. And um, Stu calls me. I'm at the baggage claim. Stu calls me. He's like, yo, I got good news. He's like, the deal's done. And I was like, for what? He was like, for, I was like, for $160 million? He's like, yeah, it's done. And I was like, I just stopped. And I was just, I cried. I ain't going to lie, I cried. Because it's something that you dream about as a kid is, is taking care of your mom and your family and, and want to do good things for people. And I was like, well, dreams that came true, <laughs> like for real. I made it, like, I mean, and you look back on, on all the hard work, all the ups and the downs and all the workouts and everything you had to go through to get to this point. And then I finally got to the point where I, I wanted to be. And it was just like, just like a sigh of relief. <laughs> what did your mom say? My mom, she, she cried too, she couldn't believe it. My grandma was like, Oh my God, that's a lot of money. Like, I was like, yeah, that's a lot of money. She's like, what are you gonna do with all that money? I was like, we'll see. <laughs> it was a lot of money back when you signed out of high school. You were offered 100,000, you ended up 130, getting 130,000. Yeah, right. 130,000. I bought me a little truck and thought I was rich. Yeah, and I wasn't. That wasn't a lot of money. Well, it was for an 18 year old, right. but uh, there was a lot of 18 year olds out there in my position getting way more, so. Your agent, Dave Stewart, said one of your goals had always been to make $100 million yeah. in baseball. And he said there was some point when the deal was done, you both were in the same room. Oh, yeah. And you're just sitting there in almost silence. Because it was, why we couldn't believe it. We could not believe it. And what's funny, I don't think anybody ever, t- uh, I don't think Stu's ever told anybody this story, but we were at a Chinese restaurant and uh, we opened our fortune. I opened my fortune and it says, you will, said something like, you will, you will be wealthy. And then his said, and his fortune said, this is a true story, his fortune said, you will help somebody become financially something like high. And it was just like, we looked at these fortunes, we were like, oh my God, this is crazy. And then right, not too long after that, that happens. So it's weird. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's, it's crazy. So how many pairs of shoes do you really have? I don't know, a lot. I have a lot. I can't count. I didn't, I've never just like counted. More than 300 though. Yeah, I do. Probably. More, yeah. than, more than 400? Maybe. More maybe, than 500? Maybe right there. Maybe, maybe 400. Maybe. I have a lot of shoes in, in Oklahoma and, 
I have a lot of shoes in um in Arizona too. So, you know, they don't all they don't all make the trip to L.A. And th- it gives me room to to go get more. <laughs> yeah, and, and these aren't your like dollar store type shoes. <laughs> I mean, what what's a, what's an average pair of one of these? Oh, I'm not going from, there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could have more uh, than like your original contract in, in like shoes, couldn't you? Hundred thousand dollars, a couple hundred. Oh thousand yeah, dollars definitely, worth. definitely. I mean, you think you have a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of shoes? Um, <laughs> just know. thinking about it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, is it you? Apparently, like you know, when you see a woman walking by, you like looking at the shoes, the feet, yeah. to see what the shoes are. Why? I just I feel like you could tell a lot by a person's shoes. So a woman's shoes, woman's shoes. What what can you tell? That they know what they're doing, or they ah, they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I mean I just like I like I like to look. I've always liked shoes. I've always been a fan of shoes, and you know I I I peep everybody's shoes out, see what see what it is that they're rocking. Yeah, yeah. How big are you into shopping? A lot. I like to shop, so it's it's something that I enjoy doing. What do you, I mean, what's a, you know, typical shopping experience like with Matt Kemp? It just depends on where we go. Uh, I just, I just like clothes. <laughs> I like to, I like to look nice and presentable at, at, at all times for the most part. Because uh, it, it definitely comes from, you know, my grandma being a seamstress and always being around clothes. She always made us clothes. She always made us iron our clothes, wash our clothes, and make us look, we always had to look nice for everybody. So. I guess that kind of where it, where it stems from, and I just kind of took it to a whole another level. How much time will you spend uh, picking out an outfit before? Uh, it just depends on what it is that I'm doing. It doesn't really take too long. I'm not like a girl when it comes to dressing. I, I get it, and I'm ready to go. You have a stylist? Yeah, I do. You do? Yeah. What's that like for you? It's fun. We have fun. You know, we pick out certain things. We, we uh, you know, in, in, with certain... Uh, events that we need to go to and, and, and pick out clothes and try to see what it is that we want to wear that day. It's, it's cool. I like it. There was, you know, a period of your life where, uh, you know, got a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. You know, you're used to, like, sport media. Uh-huh. You've had reporters covering yeah. you all Whole the time. World. But, but, but then all of a sudden yeah. you're in these gossip magazines yeah. and these tabloids. How would you describe what that type of attention was like? It's, it's pretty much overwhelming. It's not, not something I've ever been used to. I'm not used to, you know, going to a, a grocery store or to just somewhere simple and people following you around. It's like I'm in a grocery store. Like, are you serious? I'm buying milk or whatever it is that I'm buying, and you're sitting there taking pictures. It gets a little like, come on, man. Like, seriously, you're gonna put me up in this or this person up in this because they're at the grocery store buying milk or cookies or ice cream or whatever it is. Something simple like it, they get there's so much attention for so many simple things that I mean just want to be regular man like live a regular life. I, I know your mom and grandma paid attention to that uh, sort of stuff yeah. and there was one time they really got on you. Yeah. Over, uh, yeah. Something yeah. or other. I, yeah I my it, grandma. My grandma's always, she's always in the, she needs to stay off the internet, man. The internet is so, you know, it's the internet. Stay, not, not all of it is true, but she likes to get on the internet and click on pictures. Right, and, so she sees a picture. How, how does that call go? It's funny because I was actually where I was when the picture was taken, and I had to get that phone call. 
She's like, you got to watch what you're doing. And it was just a picture of me and, and, and my ex. And we were just hugging on the, on the, on the balcony. And she just kind of, you can't be doing that. And I was like, OK, I won't do it again. We had uh, people submit questions online for you. Just wanted to read a couple and uh, get your responses. The first one being uh, from Sergio. He says, I'm an outfielder for my high school team. What advice would you give me? Uh, how do I prepare in the off season? What should I work on the most? Uh, I mean, if, if he's an outfitter, you know, work on somebody, you know, hitting him lots of lots of ground balls, lots and lots of fly balls, so he get his timing down and and just you know stay prepared at all times. I think during practice is it's the most important as an outfitter to when people are taking BP is to to track off the bat. You know, if he's a center fielder, he needs to be in center field tracking off the 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 the. Uh, the, the balls off the bat and, 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 and that definitely just helps you with your instincts. So JR, the final mm -hmm. one, uh, in a pickup basketball game, who's your first pick? LeBron or Durant? <laughs> oh dang. Wow. I don't know, man. Those those guys are both uh, you could build a team around. That's I thought tough. you were gonna say myself. That's tough. No, nah, I wouldn't do that. Those those two are those two are animals. I would I'd probably go LeBron. I'd probably go LeBron. LeBron, he 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 can, he can uh he can do it all, man. He's big big boy, <laughs> big boy. Really a pleasure. Hey, no problem, man. Thanks for making no the problem. time. No problem. Hey, have fun. That's a wrap on Matt Kemp. If you enjoyed listening, make sure to give us a five star review. Also, if you haven't yet checked out my interviews with other baseball greats, including Clayton Kershaw, Pete Rose, and Albert Pujols. You can watch them at youtube.com slash Graham Bensinger and also download the podcasts in this feed. Thanks for listening.